0: Welcome to another edition of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. In this edition, I will be talking about my time at Rhode Island Comic Con that took place November 4th through the 6th. I'll also be talking about the aftermath of the AEW All Out investigation, as it seems like that's wrapped up. So I'll have thoughts on that as well. Then in what's Anthony T watching... It's a surprise this episode, but first the news. Starting off the news, Terrifier 2 is getting near to 10 million dollars at the box office. Now, the weekend of November 4th through the 6th, Terrifier 2 made another 1.2 million dollars. The film's currently sitting at 9.8 million dollars. By the time this podcast probably comes out, this film may have crossed the $10 million mark. Or very close to it. It is such a major accomplishment. Seriously. This film made another $1.2 million even though the film is on Screenbox. Think about it. The film is on Screenbox. Where you can pay $4.99 a month and watch the film literally on there. And the fact that the matter is, the film made another $1.2 million on the weekend of November 4th through the 6th. It's just amazing. This movie continues to move on. It's been in theaters for like, what, five weeks now? For a film that was only supposed to be in theaters so for one week, is grown to let a big five-week theatrical run. Meaning, it probably, by the time this comes out, is in its sixth week at the box office. Because it made another million dollars... So I have to figure it got its sixth week, and if it didn't get a sixth week, I was wrong. But I'm pretty sure if it made a million, it's getting a sixth week. Think about this. No independent horror film gets a sixth week at the box office. I literally cannot remember another time where a horror film literally got a sixth week at the box office. It's just unthinkable. The only time we see horror films get six weeks at the box office if they're released by Universal, Paramount, or other major studios. This is such a major achievement. It is. It is the biggest surprise of 2022. The fact that Terrified 2 still has legs at the box office. Sure, the film went down about... 35.9% on that weekend, but it's still making a million dollars a week. That's unheard of. Literally. Credit all in the world to David Leone. Credit all in the world to David Howard Thornton. Because if it wasn't for those two people, the director and the guy who plays Art the Clown... You would probably not see Terrifier to even have a chance at $10 million at the box office. For a film that costs 250000 That's like a quarter of a million dollars. And it's made almost $10 million. It's just crazy. Literally crazy that an independent horror film has legs in this film market when it's completely dominated by the major studios sure you'll get maybe an anime film will sneak into the top 10 but for a ultra violent gory slasher film like terrifier 2 to still be playing at the box office after five weeks it's amazing And it's probably going to get a sixth week if it hasn't gotten it already. It's just amazing. We're witnessing indie horror history here. Because I've never seen an indie horror film just have legs at the box office. Because usually they're there for like one or two showings and that's it. But all the credit to Cinegram... Bloody disgusting and iconic events are really giving this film a life of its own in theaters. Because this is a film that should not have a life of its own in theaters, but it does. It just goes to show that if you have a good concept, people will go out and see it in the theaters. And that's what's happening with Terrifier 2. They love Terrifier, and they came to see Terrifier 2 in theaters. It was a big gamble when David Leone wanted this film in theaters. And it's paying off. It's literally the biggest surprise in horror this year. I can't think of anything else. Seriously. It's amazing that it will hit $10 million by the time that It ends its theatrical run. Just amazing. File this under, I never thought this would ever happen. Or at least, there's a renewed interest in this film. It's been 20 years since the first 28 days later film came out in theaters. And basically, it spawned one sequel 28 weeks later in 2007. After that, there were like, for years, rumors of another 28 Days Later sequel called 28 Months Later. That never happened. But now there are rumors that there is a renewed interest in that project. As Danny Boyle was doing an interview with a British publication called NME.com. They did an interview with Danny Boyle talking about the 20th anniversary of 28 Days Later. And he talks about how he's very tempted to direct 28 months later. The screenwriter of the film... of 28 Days Later, Alex Garland also said during the chat about the 20th anniversary of 28 Days Later, he says, it feels like a very good time actually. It's funny, I hadn't thought about it until you just said it and I remembered, bang, the script, which is again set in England very much about England Anyway, we'll see. Who knows? Danny Boyle also noted in the interview that the script has been written for this film. Meaning, they were probably planning on doing this film after 28 weeks later, but nobody wanted to make this film. Because it didn't do so well at the box office. Now, here's my thing. Do I want to see another 28 Days Later, type film? Maybe. Because I really thought both 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later are very good zombie films. They really do a very good job with intense action and intense scares. But I would be in line to see that film 28 months later. I don't know if many people would be in line to see that film given the fact that 28 Days Later has been out for 20 years, and 28 Weeks Later has been out for 15 years. So, I don't know if there's any interest from the horror movie-going audience, but for my interest, I wouldn't mind seeing a third 28 Days Later movie, quite frankly. It's Incompetent Hands. Unlike the recent Halloween trilogy with David Gordon Green and Dan McBride really screwing that one up. You have two very competent people in Danny Boyle and Alex Garland. Alex Garland has even done some really good directorial work as well with Annihilation and Ex Machina. So, I wouldn't mind seeing 28 months later. The only question is, is there going to be an audience for this? Because it's been 15 years since the 28 weeks later. So I don't know if people are clamoring for a third 28 days later film 15 years after the second film. But I'd be down for it. That's me. Because it's incompetent hands. And I'm sure they're going to make changes to that already finished screenplay to make it more contemporary to today's current environment. So, I have faith in Alex Garland and Danny Boyle. Much more than I have faith in David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, quite frankly, to do an effective horror film. Moving on to wrestling news. Now, this is a promotion I love to talk about, but I never have time to talk about on this podcast because, well, I'm talking AEW, I'm talking WWE, plus usually they're not making much news, so I usually don't talk about this promotion a lot. This is one of my favorite wrestling promotions, and there's an argument that this promotion Promotion is the third biggest wrestling promotion in North America. I'm talking about Game Changer Wrestling, GC Dub. Yes, it's been a while since I talked Game Changer Wrestling here on this podcast. Now, if you're not familiar with Game Changer Wrestling, it's more like ECW back in the day with all the death matches, all the high flying Lucha Libre matches, you also have six-way scramble matches, you have intergender matches, they do it all here at Game Changer Wrestling. Now, recently they were kind of flirting with WWE, with possibly working with them, but now it does not seem like that is happening, because... Game Changer Wrestling recently announced that they've entered into an agreement with Fight TV. Now, if anybody who doesn't know what Fight TV is, it's pretty much the place where you see all the big independent wrestling events outside of AEW and WWE here in the United States. They have pretty much aired events for promotions like Black Label Pro, XPW, the National Wrestling Alliance. I believe they've also done some Impact Wrestling pay-per-views on their streaming service as well. So when this news came out, I was so happy because finally Game Changer Wrestling is on a streaming service. Not like one of those streaming services where you have to pay $20 in an event. More like the type of deal they had with IWTV before. They ended up having a huge, huge lawsuit. Which pretty much prevented GCW from even having all of its content under one umbrella. Sure, they still did the... I pay per views on Fight TV, but they couldn't put it on a streaming service. But now I believe they finished up this settlement series with IWTV, meaning they're free to go anywhere and stop their own streaming service. But instead, they've decided to take their content and keep it on Fight and join their streaming service. Fight to Plus. Yes, another streaming service with the word plus. As if you, if you saw in the last episode during the fake trailer, I kind of spoofed plus as well. Because I'm sick of every streaming service having a plus after its name. It's not original. I'm sorry. But anyway, that's another rant for another time. Now... This is big news that Game Changer Wrestling now is on Fight Plus. Because all of their events will be available apart of the Fight Plus subscription. Meaning you'll get every Game Changer Wrestling event that takes place here in the U.S. and international. It's pretty much been one of the best wrestling promotions out there. It's always insanely fun to watch. I love some of the wrestlers here. they got some really good talent like Joey Janela, Jordan Oliver, Alex Cologne, Nick Gage, Effie to name a few. So this is really big news here, people. Because now Game Changer Wrestling is available to a lot of people. And I've already subscribed to Fight Plus because I... I love Game Changer Wrestling, and I don't have to pick and choose what events I want to buy. I can pretty much watch every event on their streaming service. It's great that it's finally happened that Game Changer Wrestling has finally done a streaming service. Even though it's part of Fight Plus, at least it's on a streaming service where I can go to any... Game Changer Wrestling event that I want to watch. Say I want to go back all the way to the beginning. Or all the way to the current stuff. I can do that now. With the subscription to Fight Plus. It is a great step for Game Changer Wrestling. And I really think it's going to help Fight Plus a lot too. So it's going to help both those companies out very well. Because Game Changer Wrestling is pretty much... Probably the third biggest wrestling promotion outside of WWE and AEW. It's going to be very interesting to see how much it expands. That the promotion is under the umbrella of a major streaming service. Like Fight Plus. Because Fight Plus is a major streaming service for all things independent wrestling. This has been a long time coming and I'm very happy that We're finally seeing Game Changer wrestling on a streaming service. Again. And with that, that's the news. Welcome to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast where the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. If you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. Speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto is a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Just he's a robot, too. Oh, I consider the possibility. Right, and that's what I like—is the fact that the writers are smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right, exactly. www.darkdiscussions.com, wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back. Now, we have not talked wrestling in the last month on this podcast. In October, it's all about horror since it's Halloween and everything. But we're in November, so we can talk about wrestling again. And just in time, the whole elite punk saga is coming to an end. Talk about perfect timing, seriously. I take a month off. From Talking Wrestling on this podcast. I'm just glad this whole elite punk saga is finally over. last couple weeks of AEW Dynamite. They have been teasing the return of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. By having this Avengers Infinity War spoof. Where pretty much Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are erased. From AEW history. I think it's been r- very well done. in a very clever way to reintroduce the Elite back into AEW after this suspension. I like they just didn't rush them back onto television. I like how they're just building and building. And it looks like they're going to be... ...back at full gear, maybe in a Trios match against Death Triangle for the Trios titles. Because in one of the promos, they showed the Elite winning the titles, then that clip gets erased... ...and they inserted the Death Triangle clip of them winning the Trios titles. So something tells me we're probably getting the Elite versus the Death Triangle... At full gear. That's going to be a a very anticipated match. If that's the case. Or they can just show up at full gear. And attack Death Triangle. Because I got a feeling that's their first feud coming back. Do I want them to win the titles right away? No. 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 I think they need to put over Death Triangle. Then maybe wait a couple months. Then maybe get the titles back, but no, I don't think they should get the titles right away. If they're gonna have them feud with Death Triangle, I really think they should just let them put over Death Triangle and have them continue their dominance in the trios division in AEW. I'm glad that Tony Khan made the right call here and kept Omega and the Young Bucks. Because literally, at the end of the day, sure, they were part of the all-out melee, but that whole thing was definitely caused by CM Punk. Let's face it. And, quite frankly, I do not want to see CM Punk ever again in AEW. Now, there's an article that came out in Forbes recently that, according to a report from the Wrestling Observing Newsletter, yes, good old Dave Meltzer, that Punk and AEW are discussing a contract buyout which would end Punk's time in AEW. Those with knowing they are in talks about a buyout Of the remaining years of his contract. Which pretty much tells you they do not want CM Punk back. And quite frankly... I don't think anybody in the AEW locker room wants CM Punk back. Because there's been a lot of stories... About CM Punk... In AEW. You had Chris Jericho... Who was actually, by the way, in the film Terrifier 2. Which I talked about earlier. He called... CM Punk, a cancer to the locker room. This was according to an article on the Sports Rush. There have also been rumors that top AEW stars don't want to work with him. That's always not a good thing when you're working at a wrestling company. When other top stars in the same promotion does not want to work with you even though you're one of the biggest draws to the company. That's not a good sign for your job status. This is all brought upon because CM Punk has an ego. I was wrong. I thought CM Punk would be the best thing for AEW. I didn't think he would pull this insane behavior again, but he has. And now he is pretty much done. As they're looking to buy out his contract. And quite frankly, they have to buy out his contract. He cannot come back to AEW. Not after the mess that happened at All Out. He has to be brought out and that has to have in his buyout a no compete clause. Meaning he can't just run to WWE and work the next day. Because quite frankly, I don't even know why WWE would even entertain CM Punk coming back to their company. Because the way he did them in. I don't know what Hunter Hearst Helmsley is thinking. Seriously. If I was Triple H and I heard what CM Punk did at this company what makes you think he's just gonna change he's not gonna change he's gonna infect your locker room and you have already changed the culture in wwe it's no longer the vince mcmahon show where everyone's so down waiting for that big break or waiting for vince mcmahon to wake up To see someone's potential. If you're going to bring CM Punk into WWE. You're going to have problems. Seriously. He cannot be in any wrestling promotion. He is toxic. He's one of those guys. Where he cannot keep his mouth shut. I hate to say this. He has great talent. But he has just wasted it. Because of his big ego. And if. Triple H brings him into WWE. The morale will go down. I can guarantee you this. Seriously. I know you want to bring him in because he'll be great for business. Sure, he'll be great for about four, five months. Then you'll have infighting in your locker room. And then we'll be talking about it. And then it's not going to look good for your company. And then you're going to have wrestlers not wanting to work with him. Because you already have wrestlers in AEW that don't want to work with him. What makes you think people in WWE are running to want to work with him? What happens if he has to job to Roman Reigns? He's not going to like it. You know it. I know it. So, I don't know what Triple H is thinking. Seriously. In bringing the idea that he... Wants to bring CM Punk back into WWE. Because that is a bad idea. As it's going to make the locker room there worse. Everywhere he's gone. it He's made the locker room awful. This is a guy who thought he could have Tony Khan in the palm of his hands. And he almost did it. He almost did it. Until... People probably got to Tony Khan and told him he had to go. Because, quite frankly, CM Punk is toxic. If he can't hack it in AEW, he can't keep his ego in check in WWE. He's not going to be one of those wrestlers that's worth the ratings. Sure, he'll bring the people in, but is he really worth it to your locker room? When you already have good chemistry, Triple H, seriously. I don't know Triple H. It's not a good idea. But then again, he's probably going to have a no-compete clause once he gets that buyout. I do believe that's going to happen. So, if I was Triple H, I would not entertain any thought of bringing CM Punk back to WWE. CM Punk should just take the money and run. And don't come back. He's ruined his legacy. His legacy in wrestling is one of the most toxic wrestlers of all time. And that's very hard to do. Seriously. If I had a wrestling promotion, and CM Punk was out there, and knowing that he caused trouble in both a WWE locker room... In an AEW locker room. Do I want him in my promotion? No. So I really think. CM Punk should just retire. Seriously. Retire. Go into acting. Do your other things that you've been doing. Please do not come back to wrestling. Every time you come back. You're ruining your legacy. Please stop. Don't let Triple H talk you back in. Because we all know. You're just going to end up. Turning the locker room there against you. And right now, WWE's on a row. That would be a big mistake if they brought in CM Punk. It'd be too much headaches. You want a locker room that's motivated. Not a locker room that is divisive. Enough of the CM Punk stuff. Seriously. I am done talking about the CM Punk stuff. As literally, I need to move on. To other things. In wrestling news and everything. I'm sick of CM Punk. Just go away and don't come back. Please. Think about whatever legacy you have left man. Seriously. Because if you come back to WWE. You're just going to continue to ruin it. And you don't have to do this. Man. I'm pleading you. You don't seem like you want to be back in a wrestling ring. You just don't. And every time you just stop bickering, that's all it is. You just bicker. And nobody wants to hear it anymore. I'm a big fan of yours, man. Seriously. You really let me down. Because literally, I thought you would change. But you didn't, man. It's all on you, man. It's all on you. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization in 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care. Fight real monsters. Hey guys, this is Stephen Christina. I'm the founder, owner, creator, and host of Super Retro Throwback Reviews. Are you looking for the best movie reviews, music reviews, video game reviews, and Comic Con coverage all around? Well, then look no further. Definitely check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on YouTube and our new audio podcast, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Files version 2.0 on the following media distributors Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud iTunes, and Spotify. Class is over, John! Class is something new and improved! Welcome back. Now, recently I got a chance to go to Rhode Island Comic Con from November 4th through the 6th over at the AMP. That's right. The AMP. Amica Mutual Pavilion in Rhode Island Convention Center. And this is pretty much my ninth time going. As the con's been around for ten years, it's I've been going to every one of these cons since the beginning. And for the most part, I've had a good time. Last year, I thought I had probably the best experience at a Rhode Island Comic Con event. So I was very thrilled to be going back to Rhode Island Comic Con this year. Especially since this is from my home state. And the fact that I don't have to worry about travel... Or having to worry about hotel rooms. This is like the easiest con to go to for me, personally. Now, I had a very good time. I still think last year was better. But still, I had a very good time at this con. As I really got to meet a lot of very interesting people there. It first started off on Friday when yours truly entered the Rhode Island Convention Center. I started walking around a little bit, actually trying to find a Funko, literally. If people don't know me, I love Funkos a lot, seriously. I'm big into the horror Funkos, I'm big into Funkos of favorite movies that I like, or favorite bands, which in case I decided to go... Funko hunting for a ghost, Funko. I can't even pronounce the lead singer's name, but this is the rock band Ghost. If you don't know who Ghost is, they did the song Hunters of Moon for Halloween Kills. That's the band I'm talking about. And ever since I listened to that song, I've loved this band. I like Call Me... Little Sunshine, Circle, and other songs from Ghost. So, I knew they had a Funko out, but I couldn't find it anywhere, literally. So I decided looking for it. It took me like four to five Funko places that sold Funkos to finally find it all the way up top. As sometimes at these conventions, you'll see booths where they'll have stuff all the way up top of the booth, basically. And the way sometimes the setup is for most of these booths at conventions. Thankfully, I found it at a reasonable price. I was not going to break the bank for it, but I finally found it. For a $25. Can't complain. So I got that. Then walked around a little more. Then decided to get the uh, Vito Corleone Funko from The Godfather. I love this film. I'll talk more about it in a little bit. Then I hooked up with my friend Andrew from Two From Hell. We started walking around. On the third floor... Moving up to the celeb room, up in the fifth floor. And yours truly got my first autograph from John Carroll Lynch. Was expensive, I'll say that. But it was very nice meeting the guy. He's a very good character actor, been in such horror films such as Gothica, Zodiac. Was in an episode of The Walking Dead as well. He's also been in American Horror Story. So, he has a lot of genre credits to his name. It was nice meeting him. Then we went back to the third floor. Walked around a little more. And that is when yours truly met Johnny Russo and John Martino from The Godfather. Now, first of all, I love The Godfather. I know, this is not a horror film. But I love that film a lot. I would put that as one of my top three films that I have ever seen. I'm sorry. There is no horror films in my top three films I've ever seen. Because there are a lot of great films outside the horror genre as well. But to have two guests from a film that I consider to be... One of the best films ever made. It was a real treat to meet both Russo and Martino from that film. Because I got to talk to them about Francis Ford Coppola and some of the cast of that film. It was very nice people. It was very nice to have both of them there. Because I'm a big fan of crime films besides horror films. In fact, I like all genre films. Pretty much. Maybe not westerns. Because I'm not a fan of westerns for some weird reason. But still, it was great to see two people from what I deem one of the best films ever made. You had one character... That kind of played a big part in the film, because Russo's character in the film was the husband of one of the Colione sisters. It's such a great film. I could go on talking about this film, but we have to move on here. Because I'm taking way too much time talking about The Godfather here. Then afterwards, we pretty much continued walking around. Then at the end of the night, I kind of hung around a little bit after... My buddy Andrew left. I decided to hang around and meet Emily Swallow. I know a lot of you horror fans know her from Supernatural. But I know her mostly for The Mandalorian. And the character that she plays on the show, the armor. I'm a big fan of The Mandalorian, so. It was nice meeting her at the end of the night. When the lines usually tend to quiet down at the end. Some celebs will stay around till the end of the show time. And that's always good. You can always sneak in and get an autograph near the end. When it's not that huge line that you have to stand through for hours. She was a nice person that I met. Then day two, Saturday. I catch up with my buddy Phil up. From Doc Discussions Podcast. We walk around the convention. I stopped by Sam Miser and Dino. If I apologize about the mess up. I'm sorry. It's very hard to pronounce the last name of it. But he literally wrote a very funny book. Which is basically a Breaking Bad parody. Called... If you give a lab a laugh, barking bad. That is so funny. I literally read it the night after I got back from the first night Rhode Island Comic Con. I literally was laughing out loud reading that book. So definitely check that book out. It's for adults. Even though it looks like a children's book, it's for adults. You may see the guy at horror Convention selling books like that. Please, buy his books. Especially that one. Because that book is a riot. Then after catching up with him... Because I wanted to tell him that I really loved this book. Seriously. It's just, it just was so funny. I walk around the convention hall for a bit. Maybe making a few purchases here and there. But then we... Pretty much went for lunch. Went up to the fifth floor. It took a while, but I finally got to meet Danny Lloyd from The Shining. Very nice guy. Then we pretty much walked around again. Then he left. Then later in the day, I met Lita, who wrestled in WWE back in the Attitude Era. She was a very nice person. It was nice meeting her. Then afterwards, walked around, caught up with Andrew again. We went to the... Trish Stratus, Lita panel. That was fun. I had a very good time there. Walked around with Andrew at the convention center. Then pretty much left for the day. I picked up a couple of posters, including like House by the Cemetery. Trying to think of others, which I cannot think on the top of my head. Maniac Cop, that's one. Then Sunday rolled along. Now Sunday was a busy final day. Because first I went in, started walking around, I finally saw a poster for Terrifier 2, and I knew I had to have that poster. If you have not been listening to this podcast, we've been talking a lot about Terrifier 2 lately. Like in the beginning of the episode. But, I really love this film. I wish I found it the day before. But still, I don't mind getting it. Because I really wanted that poster so bad. So I got it. Literally. I love this film. It's literally one of the top five films of the year. And after that, started to make my way up to the convention center. Walked around a little bit. Did a little shopping. Picked up another shirt. A low-key shirt. So, no horror shirts. Sorry. Not at this convention. Then took a break. Then went back into the convention center. Finally got to meet Trish Stratus. Very nice person. As she had a very good line over at the convention all weekend long. Even though she was there for two days. There was a very good line for her. It's glad to see people getting lines at conventions. Especially legends of wrestling like Trish Stratus and Lita. Because they pretty much pioneered... Women's wrestling. If it wasn't for those two women wrestlers, you wouldn't be seeing this boom of women's wrestling today. It was on the backs of those two, plus others back in the Attitude Era that paved the way for what women's wrestling is today. And it's a credit to both leader and Trish Stratus, as they both really paved the way for this generation of women's wrestlers. So I finally after that finally got with Andrew again. We we walked around. Then then he convinces me to meet MJF. Now if you don't know who MJF is, this is a guy who pretty much stays in character whenever he goes to a convention. The MJF you get On TV is the MJF you get at a convention. I was literally a little nervous about meeting him, quite frankly. Because I've heard the stories of how abrasive he gets at his table. I know he stays in character, so I can understand that. The fact that I know a guy is staying in character, which I respect a lot, coming from someone who... Watches wrestling. That's the old school way. You're supposed to stay in character wherever you go. And that's what MJF does. Stays in character wherever he goes. So, thankfully, it was not abrasive. He was like so quiet. Whatever. Whatever. It's like, the only thing he said was like, to me, oral hygiene. Okay, I'll take that over having him yelling and screaming. It was a much better experience than I expected. (laughs) And I was so nervous about meeting him because I was afraid I was going to get yelled at. Well, because, well, yours truly is a mock. Now, if I wore my podcast t-shirt, I probably would have been called a mock. Which would have been fine. Because that's what I am. A wrestling mock at times. I love the wrestling business. That was my final autograph. Because I wanted to save up the rest of my money. I continued walking around. Hung out at the convention. Had a good time. Then we kind of split off. Because I wanted to go see the Michael Rooker panel. Because the last time I went to see a Michael Rooker panel was at another convention. Had a great time there. So I decided I wanted to go see it so badly that I wanted to see it. So. And... It was like the last time a riot. Michael Rourke is such a fun person to be around with, quite frankly. If you ever go to one of these conventions and Michael Rourke has a solo panel, go to it. It's fun. He'll he even call James Gunn. He literally called James Gunn during the middle of the panel. That was so funny. It's always. Spe- now become a highlight of my convention every time Michael Rooker has one of these solo panels. I have to go to it just to see Michael Rooker, because I know I'm going to have a good time, because A, it le- lets me relax my feet because you're running around all day. And B, you're there to have a good time. I know I'm going to have a good time. I don't usually do repeat panels, but Michael Rooker is probably the only exception to that rule. Because it's funny. It's entertaining, too, while he's answering questions. And then afterwards, I pretty much wrapped it up for the convention. I kind of went back, maybe for a couple minutes, said goodbye to a couple people. Then it was off. Overall, I had a very fun time at Rhode Island Comic Con this year. The two panels that I went to were very good, very entertaining. It was a fun time. I had no problems. All the guests were nice. And that's what you want in a convention. I can't wait to go back next year to Rhode Island Comic Con. As every year it seems like it's getting better. And again, I want to thank them for letting Doc Discussions Hover the con and hope we get to do it again next year. Hi, I'm Anthony T. And I'm director Andrew Duran. And we are the Two, Two From How. And we're putting it On back into podcasting. Every month we will be dropping an episode on the Doc Discussions Network. We'll be chatting about some of our favorite films, news, reviews, and maybe interviews. You can find 2 from Hell on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast providers. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at 2 from Hell Podcasts. Trust me, you're seriously not going to want to miss the show. You'll find Anthony T's power and wrestling show. On these social media platforms, on Facebook, Instagram, and the slasher app at Hour and ruxloit, and on Twitter at power You'll find new episodes on DocDiscussions.com, major podcast providers, and YouTube. What's Anthony T watching this episode? While well, yours truly is watching a Spanish horror film from the 1970s. That's right. We're going back in time to the early 70s in a film called *The Werewolf Versus the Vampire Woman*. Now, this is a Spanish horror film that stars legendary Spanish actor Paul Naschy, and I've never seen any of his. Films. So why am I reviewing this film? Because I have a subscription to VS. I got that Halfway to Black Friday package back in May. And this is one of those films where I probably would have not have gotten if I hadn't had the subscription. But I figured since I wanted to do something different this episode. And the fact that they're having their Black Friday sale soon. I figured i do a VS title here for What's Anthony T. Watching. And this is a film that I r- really enjoyed. I never thought I would enjoy this film, quite frankly. Because I am not a fan of Spanish horror. I'm more into Italian horror. I'm more into British horror. But not Spanish horror so much. So if I didn't have a subscription, I wouldn't be getting this title. But since this is one of V.S.'s latest titles, and I've never seen a Paul Nietzsche film, I figured why not pop it in. Plus, with a title called The Werewolf vs. The Vampire Woman, it looks very European. Horror. So, I decided to watch this. I'm glad I did. Because I really thought this was a very good film. One of the things I really loved was the fact that this film had very good direction... From Leon Kilomowski. If I'm pronouncing his name wrong. I apologize. It's just hard to pronounce some of these names. I like the fact that this film moves at a good pace. He does a good job with making sure everything had this gothic feel to it. This dark ominous tone in the way the action in the film works. Because this film... Is a very good vampire film. I thought it worked well as both a good vampire and good werewolf film. And Paul Nietzsche was very good in this film. I have to admit, I liked his performance in this film. He really helped drive this film. Another thing that I really liked too was the score. I thought the score really added something to this film. It added to more the gothic tone as well, which is needed for a film like this to work well. The screenplay written by Nei and Hans Munko. If I'm pronouncing that right. If I don't I apologize. I like how they both in the screenwriting process. Do a really good job making sure everything moves at a good pace. I know the film starts off slow. But it's needed to get the gothic element into the film. As it really helps the story move along. Up until the third act of the film is where you have most of the film's action. But it's nice to see that this film builds its action because you don't want things to rush. If you have things rushing, it's not good. But I like how the werewolf versus the vampire woman does a good job starting off slow and allowing the gothic atmosphere to come in. Because it makes the third act very good, in my opinion. As I'm into the story by then. And it made for a very entertaining film. Definitely check out The Werewolf vs. the Vampire Woman. It's a gothic vampire film. With a very good performance by Paul Naichie. It's available on Blu-ray and in 4K. That's right, VS released a 4K of this film. So you can get this film on 4K or watch it traditionally on Blu-ray in one package. And I hope to check out more of Paul Nietzsche's films in the future. As I can see why he's such a cult favorite among European horror fans and obscure horror fans alike. A little bit of show news here. This is going to be the only episode in November of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show, as I kind of don't want to force another episode, considering that I'm currently editing the latest episode of Two From Hell. Usually Two From Hell comes out at the beginning of the month, but we are chatting around Comic Con on this upcoming episode of Two From Hell as well, so that's why there was delay in everything, so... This month will be only one episode because I really don't want to force it or burn myself out. Plus, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be around Thanksgiving. And I kind of don't want to do an episode around Thanksgiving. As I don't generally like to do something around the holidays if I don't have to. So, it would be like the week of Thanksgiving and I kind of want to avoid... Posting any new material around that week. Next episode will be a new episode. Episode 87. Then the episode after that. Episode 88 will be the best of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling show. And yeah, why not spend the best of that show with the best of Halloween ends rants. Because that drove me crazy. Plus I'll have an unaired rant that I've never released before that pertains to Halloween ends. Not only will you get the infamous trailer from last episode on that episode, you will get an onion rant and some more rants on this film because this film really sucked this year. So I might as well make a whole episode on this film literally because it pretty much takes up A good chunk of my year. And it literally did not live up to expectations. Let's just say. But that's episode 88. And that will be the final episode of 2022 for the podcast. Then I go off and I do the two most difficult episodes of the year. The Horror Show Awards and Whammies. And the Best of 2022 list. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to Anti Tees Horror and Wrestling Show at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and major podcast providers. You can like the podcast on social media at Anti E.T.'s Horror and Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling and support indie horror. This has been a Film Arcade Media production.